Oh, folks, it's been a minute, but it looks like that minute is up. Welcome to episode nine, Ain't It Fine, of the all-new Anhedonic Headphones Podcast 2, Electric Boogaloo. Folks, big news. This is the season finale of this podcast it will return don't worry i'm not throwing in the towel just yet just gonna take a couple of months off to kind of redirect my energies and maybe wrangle some more guests for this and uh, record some podcast sessions and then return maybe in the fall or winter uh, with a lot more content for your listening enjoyment in case you forgot, because it has been a minute, uh, my name is Kevin Krein. I am the host of this podcast, and this podcast itself is an extension of my award-winning music blog, Anhedonic Headphones. You can find that on the worldwide interwebs at anhedonicheadphones.blogspot.com. You can also contact me via myriad forms of social media. Uh, You can like the Anhedonic Headphones Facebook page, or you can follow me on Twitter. My handle is at KevEFly. Or you can follow me on Instagram, where I am slowly making my way to becoming a Instagram influencer and icon, which I think is the dream of every young person right now. But my Instagram handle is similar to my my Twitter account. It's at Kev underscore E underscore fly. So uh, with this being the season finale of the podcast, uh, I have learned not a lot about myself from this because this was never really about me. It was about other people. So I have learned quite a bit about other people, specifically the people that I work with. Uh, the ones that were kind enough to take time out of their day to pick songs to bring in and talk about with me on this thing. Uh, I learned that not everybody likes music or listens to music. Uh, There were a a number of people that I asked to be a guest and they declined uh, simply because they don't think about music in the same way I do where they could have an engaging conversation about it. Uh, I learned that people don't listen to albums sometimes they just uh, put on a streaming radio service and and just listen to the songs that it provides and some of those songs are good some of them are not uh the algorithm sometimes doesn't work but sometimes people don't have albums or buy albums or listen to things from start to finish but i also learned that some people do that and that music means a lot to them and they have very deep-rooted memories uh, of very specific songs or artists And I also learned that people were really intimidated about this or that it was very difficult to pick out songs to talk about. So apologies to everybody who had a case of the Howling Fantods from coming on the show or even being asked to be a guest. Uh, One of my guests suggested to me that I turn this thing on myself and that I pick songs to talk about and somebody interview me. And I thought, what better person than to do that than my charming wife, Wendy, who was kind enough to take, like, a long time out of her afternoon 
to sit down with me while I talked at length about probably more songs than I should have. I picked 10. I'm going to give you a heads up right now. This thing is going to get long and it's going to get weird. So buckle up because you're in for, for quite a ride. So for the season finale of this podcast, again, thanks for everybody who listened, who subscribed, who read the blog after they found this thing. Really appreciate all the support in any forms you're willing to give. But so my guest on this last show until I return for season two is some asshole named Kevin Crine. Well, but I could spend some time introducing myself. You could. Yeah. You could. Uh, To the readers at home, (laughs) I'd like to say thanks so much for having me lead this podcast because of the two of us, I'm the one that is much more entertaining. So it just makes sense that this would eventually happen. You are, most people find you more charming than me. Right. So I'm glad. But we have a pretty good rapport. So I think that it's good that we're doing this. Uh, I think back to that one time we hosted a Christmas special of... um, uh, your KOMN show. Uh-huh, the after school special. Yeah. yeah. R.I.P. And, and that was a really good time. And I, I actually, that's in my iTunes I know, at work. And, you listen and sometimes to it, it comes up and, and like, it makes me really happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we were really good that day. So we could strive to that, but we probably won't hit it. <laughs> I was going to say, let's not get, go into this with any super kind of high expectations. expectations. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So who are you? My name is Wendy Wham. Are you going to use your radio name for yeah. this? Okay. No, I am Wendy Placco. I am the lovely wife, the the young blushing bride of one Kevin Crine, the host of this show normally, who is not as good as me. Uh, wife of podcaster yes. is your character yes. name. Uh, I would be a podcaster in my own right if I had one. You know, it's very easy to do, so you could get your own. I actually have thought about it, but um, I'm not a man. And I don't have two friends. <laughs> Get it? Wait, Fuego, yeah, t- Fuego yeah. takes. Um, you could make a film podcast. I could. I and honestly, I have wanted to blog about it. Mm-hmm. Like all the things that I'm doing, you could also do about your extracurricular interests. Right. I would encourage that. I would. I I should take you up on that. We have all do this want, equipment. Do you want? <laughs> do you want to be my first guest? Sure, okay. about films. The tables will turn. I'll be like, yeah, fuck yeah. with movies. Yeah. Let's talk about it. You're like, Ghostbusters, go. <laughs> it's a good movie, you guys. It is. So um, you're going to be facilitating this discussion. Yes. And because this is my podcast and I do what I want, I've picked a whopping 10 songs, which That's is the many. most songs that anyone has had wow. on the show. So how are you going to do that? Is it going to be three hours long? It's going to take as long as it takes. Okay, um, fair enough. So, and I don't know if I, did I draw lines in between yes. certain things? So I've sectioned this off into um, not specific times, kind of specific times. There are like a million different ways this could have gone with picking songs for this. So what I did was I picked something that I have a very early memory of. Some like two things that I have pretty early memories of things from the teenage years, Mm -hmm. um, sad white people music from my late 20s, and then uh, something from current day. Cool, yeah, so that's the way it's set up. 
Sounds good to me. And I wrote my ages down on this one. Oh, I don't have that information. I know. That's more for me than for you. Okay. Um, but, I don't have your memories, so. Yeah. That's Much, good. Even though you forget that sometimes, <laughs> that I did not experience the same yeah. things you did growing up. So you weren't you weren't you. there when my mom bought this Phil Collins album. I was not. Okay, that's no. a good thing that I have that memory. My parents bought only like the Phil Collins with the big crazy trumpety stuff. Was that Genesis? No, no. I think it was Phil Collins. So you mean like uh, No Jacket Required? Yeah, we probably had that. The one but with the orange face on it? See, the thing is, I don't remember albums like okay. you do, because like, we had CDs and they just put them in and I didn't look at them. Okay. So. Anyway, yeah. are you ready to begin? Yes. Okay, so let's let's do this thing. Kevin. Wendy. I've heard that you have some songs that you like in your lifetime. That is correct. You have had a long life. Dear God, almost too long. <laughs> Tell me, that's what I've been telling people. Uh, we are on borrowed time right now. <laughs> so, We're gonna die doing this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'd love to hear about some songs that affected your youth. I got them. I have scads of them. Oh well, tell me about two of them. First, I should say, I love Phil Collins. This is in like a totally earnest, unabashed, Phil Collins is great way. You do have two ears and a heart. <laughs> um, and so I was thinking about my early memories of Phil Collins because he was very uh, ubiquitous in the 1980s. And my parents had uh, both Genesis Invisible Touch and Phil Collins No Jacket Required on LP when I was a kid. But so I just remember those being in the house when I was a child. But my first memory of like obtaining felt like a new Phil Collins was when right after we got a CD player, uh, which would have been like 88, 89. Uh, and it was a big deal for the family. We all got to pick out a CD 
and uh then like a little while later we did another thing where we each got to pick out a cd it was like you could only do the one each of us could only get my like my mom and dad and i could only just get the one do you remember when the cds came in the long long boxes? box yeah because yeah. that's what they were when I, as I remember buying like those first CDs, because I feel like we got the Beauty and the Beast soundtrack, and it was in the thing. The long is, box, yeah. It's yeah. the length of an LP, so that they didn't have to throw away all of their sorting things. Yeah, right? the long boxes they did away with those. I'd say in the early nineties when they trusted that CDs were really sticking, because they were like, "Hey guys, we tried this eight track thing, and it, and it work, worked yeah. for like a couple years, and we got all new cases, and like we were totally screwed." Um. But the long, yeah, they did away with long boxes and then they started putting the security doodabs on. So at first it was like the little thing shaped like a dog bone that was wrapped around the edge that was like holographic to stop you from just like pop, like taking the shrink wrap off and popping the CD out in the store. And then it went to the plastic lock cases and then the seal on the top. Now, you'll have to tell me, did your Phil Collins CD come in a long box? I believe that it did. I'm glad that this segue or like this <laughs> segment segment. I I don't know. I would say sidetrack came glad. around yeah. to Phil Collins. So yes. we went to. I believe this was at a Best Buy in Rockford, Illinois. Uh, and my mom, her choice for this second round of purchasing a single CD uh, was the Phil Collins album. But seriously, the one with the black cover. With uh, more of like a side profile, he's coming out of the corner on it, looking very stoic, has a lot of bangers on it. Um, but the first single off of it was the song that I picked here, because I remember it. Uh, it was I Wish It Would Rain Down, featuring Eric Clapton on guitar, which is important because he's just soloing all over the place at the end and it's really good. But this one is like, it's a really good song because it's not uh, very poppy. It's not very up-tempo like many of Phil Collins' other songs are. It involves a gospel choir, which is a very nice touch. And it's it's like pretty dramatic because he's like got some heartbreak. He's trying to win back his shorty. And uh, he just gets real emotional. Like he He's going for it. Clapton's going for it. The gospel choir is in there, too. Uh, and I just remember like this out al- like listening to this album in my house when I was a kid. And- it's a winning combo. Yeah, and like this one is still rock solid. Like that album is great from start to finish, but this one is like I remember being like six years old and having this Phil Collins album in my house and being like, yeah, this is good. Yeah.
I, I could share with the studio audience, which is in front of us right now. That well, the the Anadonic Headphones podcast, too, is taped in front of a live studio audience. Thanks for being here today, everyone. No. Um, so we went to go see Phil Collins. We did. Uh, last fall? Yep, October. October. Uh, and I seem to recall you having a pretty emotional response to hearing this song. And it was one of the he finales, didn't, He did right? not play the song. He didn't? No. Nope. F, what am I thinking of? You're thinking of Take Me Home. God bless it. See, and I thought I was being a good interviewer here. and <laughs> I saw what you were going for, yeah. and it was commendable, but I'm going to have to F. stop you. Well, how did you feel about that other song? Wow, wow. <laughs> the tone change. You can cut all that. <laughs> Oh, I'm not going to edit this episode at all. <laughs> it's going to be like four hours of us just dicking around with music occasionally coming in. Fair um, enough. No, yeah, Phil Collins was, that was great. Like it was, I mean, he's still alive, just barely. His body is betraying him. He has to sit for 95% of the show. Um, and he's he knows his range. He still is out there though. And yeah, he did like the arrangement of Take Me Home was like, I, I guess not as charming yeah because they cut that sweet um, the synth the blips yeah the blips are not there and it it opened with some kind of like weird wordless scat singing for a really long time but it's like a really cathartic song and so like yeah i was moved because that shit is real moving um but i i wish he would have gone for this yeah but like this would have been a banger maybe his voice can't do it anymore i don't know there was a there are like a million other songs that like could have been in that set and there are songs that he did that he could could have cut, like the Dance Into the Light is not a banger. No. It's like Latter-day Phil Collins that no one really cares about. Could have dropped this in there. And it sounds kind of like uh, Billy Don't You Lose My Number anyway. A little bit. I think it's... And that is a banger, yeah. too. Yeah. Yes, it is. I'd rather listen to that song. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, um, do you have anything else you want to ask me about Phil Collins? Um, and I Wish It Would Rain Down? Or the But Seriously album? I guess I would ask... It's like the world's longest exhale into the microphone. <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. I mean, like, uh, I mean, he had some great tunes, but then there was the Tarzan soundtrack, which so, like, was unforgivable. I don't really fuck with the Tarzan soundtrack yeah. because, like, I was way older when that came right. out. And I was like, man, Phil Collins, like, you had some great songs. Why are you doing this for money? Right. And that was when I he did the You Will Be In My Heart when we saw him. And yeah. I totally was like, I'm going to go use the bathroom yeah. during this because this is not a banger. Like, I'm, gonna, I'm checking out. Well, okay. I do have a question yeah. for you about Phil. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, with all of his relationships that fueled the songs and i was a very good wife today and actually read one of your essays um (laughs) i very much enjoyed the one that you wrote about coming to terms with um brian adams getting me too yeah like artists that you like that you loved and respected and then you find out they're trash people and then what do you do about that and the age-old question of can you appreciate the art and remove it from the artist um do you feel like he's a lech? Phil Collins? I assume he is. So his book, I read his book, his right, memoir, right, which right. is not, again, like every, oh, literally almost every music memoir that I read, they're great storytellers. They're not good writers. Right. And Phil Collins, uh, his book, Not Dead Yet, is it, it's exactly that. He's lived a fascinating life from learning how to play drums, being a child actor on stages in London, 
joining Genesis uh, and then being kind of just like, hey, you sing kind of. Why don't you take over? Because Peter Gabriel just quit. And but yeah, I I don't want to say that he's a latch. He's a bit of a Lothario or a mm-hmm. pussy hound, mm-hmm. as I like to toss around right. as an expression. Because, um, yeah, a lot of that shit was on him. The first time was not on him. His first wife was like having an affair with the person who was repairing their house. Oh, yeah. You told me about that. Because that's what um, In the Air Tonight is about. Yeah. yeah. And most of that whole first album, Face Value, is a concept album about his marriage falling apart. Right. Um, but like his second marriage falling apart is his fault. And then his third marriage falling apart, I think, is also his fault. I don't really remember. But he's trying to get back with her. Right. The Swedish lady or yeah, whatever. Yeah. 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 The, the mom to Nick, his son right. who plays the drums. Who's he's like really 17. Good. Yeah. 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 Really good at the drums. So I don't know. Like Phil Collins, he. Like he's not a deplorable individual. Like he's just made some poor relationship choices. But I don't. None of it is like unforgivable. Right. Like I can reconcile that stuff because it's like he's not like sexually assaulting people or anything that like that. That we know of. I mean, if Phil Collins get me too, then damn, but okay. That's going to be another podcast. That's going to be another podcast. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but for right now, I'm just like, I guess Phil has made some poor choices, but his music is still banging. So that's what I try to focus on with Phil. Great. Yeah. Thank you for that. Of course. Hey, thanks for reading my thing. I appreciate it. Hey, I actually did something. Shout out to, okay, so like just in case anyone is listening, because first and foremost, I got to say, like, the, I think the podcast is doing like big things for people reading the site now. Oh, good. Um, But also I did write a thing. You can go back and read it if you want. So I occasionally write for a women's magazine. Uh, every year they do a man issue. Uh, I wrote a thing. And then I had to rewrite that thing. And the thing that I rewrote is in that issue. And it's about it's it is about um, coming to terms with people you admire who either do some terrible things or just like you don't agree with something about them. And it's right. tough for you to look past that. I think it turned out well, by the way. Well, and that's fine. And obviously my editor with the magazine thought it turned out well, too, since she was like, oh, this is great. Thank you. It's not what I wanted to write. And so personally, I think it's not that great. Okay. But that's just me. Let's leave it at that. Okay. other songs that you have heard of yeah and that uh, music it's a thing yeah they are written on the back of a quaker oatmeal square so like i when i make lists at work or with this or grocery lists or whatever like there's an urgency and so i i also my handwriting is bad and so i feel like i need to just write bigger and on pieces of cardboard so i just thought it would be good to give you a piece of cardboard i can read this that's great that's really great i was kind of worried actually that you're gonna be like so what are we talking about (laughs) what the fuck are these (laughs) 
No, I think I got all of them. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah, we're going to do one now. Uh, this is a song by Bad Religion. Okay. I don't know that I remember this song. I don't think you would. Okay. Um. So, uh, did you ever go through a punk rock phase when you were a kid? Like in your <sighs> preteen years? No. Okay. I would say the closest I came was I had a very late to the party uh, obsession with Soul Asylum when I saw them at the Basilica Black Party. So, this was in like the late 90s when no one gave a shit about them anymore. Um, and they were sort of punky at the start. At the, at so, the like, beginning, they were. Yeah, 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 and so, yeah. And I enjoyed those songs. Okay. But that was as close as I came, I okay. would say. So uh, in 94, 95, when punk music or pop punk music, because uh, punk, real punk music is like super confrontational and like really aggressive. But when you kind of scale it back a little bit and make it more accessible, it became very popular. And so this is like Green Day Offspring. Like I was really into those bands when I was. Oh, I like, liked the Offspring. I yeah. cringe to admit. But that guy's really smart. So maybe I'm smart for liking them. He's like a PhD yeah. in English yeah. or something. I don't know what his P- I don't know what his degree okay. is in, but yes. Maybe Anyways, physics. Maybe physics. So, but yeah, I like in 94, 95, I was like in sixth grade. I was really into these pop punk bands that had become very popular on MTV that I was reading about in magazines. And so you get into Green Day and you get into Offspring because those are like the two big ones that broke right away. And then that kind of like ushers in for you to discover other bands of the ilk that aren't, are like on the cusp of like riding the coattails or just like using this as a way to like achieve their own success. And I wish I could remember how you really hear about music before the internet because like in 94, I'm really struggling to be like, how did I hear about this? Or like, how did... did you read Spin magazine? No, not in '94. Did that exist? Yeah, okay. for sure, for okay. sure. But so, Bad Religion, and I brought some visual aids here. Thank you. Yeah, for the folks at home, just in the studio audience, can peep these visual aids. We love it. <laughs> so, uh, Bad Religion, they were a punk band out of California, and they were on uh, the same label as The Offspring, Epitaph. Actually, the guitarist from Bad Religion was the founder of Epitaph. So they were kind of like slowly building an audience outside of California and kind of building their own momentum. And then they, for a while, were on a major label. They had signed to a major label. So the Stranger Than Fiction, their 1994 album, which I'm holding here, the vinyl reissue of, uh, was on Atlantic Records. And I bought the cassette tape of this uh, at the Walmart in Freeport, Illinois. At the start of 1995. And so I would have been 11. And I used to play this tape front to back all the time. Did you have the kind of Walkman that would switch sides for you? Um, Not the Walkman that would do that. I had like a tape deck on my little boombox. And I think it had auto reverse on it. But I feel like auto reverse like maybe would mangle your tapes occasionally. So like I didn't really use that deck because I was like, I don't want to fuck these I up. I had the finest Sony Walkman and it never hurt my Sebastian <sighs> <I think> tape. <laughs> your Sebastian mixtape? Yeah. If you are a guest on my, on the podcast, like where I'm interviewing you, are you only going to talk about the Sebastian mixtape? <laughs> we should do an entire show about dedicated that. to Sebastian yeah, because, like, and then this track, Ariel comes. Too many in. features. Yeah, too many features. Exactly. It um, just steamrolls his album. So, uh, I so I I mean I got out of my punk phase, and I eventually moved on to other things. Last summer, the summer of 2018. 
for some reason, I was like, man, that Bad Religion album was banging. And I revisited it using your Spotify account. So I was messing with the algorithm. I don't know if you ever got like weird punk suggestions. I in probably your... did. Okay. Right now I'm getting a lot of show tunes where I'm just ooh, like, ooh, ooh, this needs to stop. Yeah, you gotta shut that down. Because I listened to one soundtrack and you never, nothing never will ever again, be the never same. again. But so I revisited this and I was like, this is still really good for the most part. Um, and so I looked online and lo and behold, they had just remastered it and reissued it on vinyl as every band is doing now. So I copped this vinyl and it's still enjoyable. Uh, but the reason I picked, the, so I picked the title track off of Stranger Than Fiction and I did that because there is a, a section of lyrics that have stuck with me through my entire life from age 11 until now. And I think about them often actually. Uh, and so I, I, I put a little posty next to them. And now, do you want me to read these in an extremely coffee and flowers voice? Or yes. do you... <laughs> I'm not going to do I that. I need you to do a British accent also. Or For, at least a southern accent. So, or Irish. Oh, now we're talking about bad religion. Um, So before we get into this, I don't want to like shit talk another podcast. But I will say, so we there's a podcast out there right now that is solely dedicated to dissecting every track off of Boxer by The National. Uh, the podcast is called Coffee and Flowers. And we listened to three episodes in the car on a recent car trip. I think we only made it through three. Mm-hmm. Um, the two hosts are British, like very British. And that's fine. But <laughs> I'm not faulting them for that. Uh, like, you can't help where you're from. Um, but I had a really hard time with the incredibly dramatic reading of the lyrics and the thing is is I pointed it out to you and you were like well now like maybe they're not listening to the song when they're recording and so they're just reading the lyrics more for their own kind of like jump-starting the conversation uh but when it's cut, when it's spliced into the podcast, like edited into the podcast, they will play the segment so you'll hear the lyrics and then they'll fade it out. And then dude comes in and is like, stay out super late tonight, picking apples, making pie. And it's like, my guy, we just heard this. Why are you do? Why is this this like like why are you reciting it? Like I will this? come to their defense one more time. Okay, I agree that it sounds stupid because it absolutely does, and it also sounds like yeah, they're like they're an eighth grader sharing this really deep, meaningful poetry. And and granted, you know, Berninger and um and team yeah are great poets. Yeah, so you know it, it's worthwhile, but um. I can't understand like any lyrics that Matt Berninger sings. So in a way, it oh, was it's helpful, helpful for you because we did. There was the truther thing about right. the the one uh, commonly misheard line exactly. in Fake Empire. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I learned something. Okay. But honestly, my favorite part of the podcast was the fact that they interviewed, interviewed the yeah, actual yeah. band members and Corinne, who yeah. like helped write songs. Yeah. And I enjoyed the podcast. And could look past that, but you had a harder time. I had a harder time because it was just okay. so silly. It really Anyway, was. I'm not going to read these in the extremely okay. coffee and flowers version. So this is stri- from Stranger Than Fiction by Bad Religion. These lyrics that come at the end of the song. Life is the crummiest book I ever read. There isn't a hook, just a lot of cheap shots. Pictures to shot and characters and
Life is the crummiest book I've ever read. There isn't a hook, just a lot of cheap shots, pictures to shock, and characters an amateur would never dream up. And I don't know, that shit just like stuck with me, like through my childhood into adulthood, I would think about that. And I was like, yeah, you know, they're right. Like I was like, life is the crummiest book I've ever read. Like I fucking felt that. So I I don't know, like of all the things I could pick from my childhood to start at the beginning of this, uh, my musical journey through life or whatever we're calling this. Uh, I this is the one that I like right away. I was like, I got to do that because right, specifically because of that line. It's your mantra, and um, you were a very dark eleven year old. Yeah, because this was even before shit got real, right? It was on the cusp. Okay, yeah. So you were you were understanding that life was a sham at an early age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, good for you. So next song. Oh tell, my God! Next tell, song. So now we're to your your later teen teen years, teen years teen your years. formative years. Sure. Uh, the ones where you realized, oh, you already knew that life was a sham, but like now you're getting more emo because it is a sham. I don't. I wouldn't call None any of, of these emo. emo. No, that would be. I was late to the party on actual emo music. Right. Um, and I didn't pick any of that. Okay. I could have made the whole thing like Dashboard Confessional if you well, wanted. Well, I thought your entire iPod was Dashboard Confessional. Shout out to Carrie McShane. <laughs> Hope you're listening. Oh, you're there in the studio audience. Hey, <laughs> what up, friend? Thanks for joining us. Uh, uh, all right, so I picked four tunes from my teenage years. One of them is from when I was 14. The other ones are all when I was 16. So uh, up first here, this is, I picked uh, Let Down by Radiohead for a number of reasons. Uh, the first one is we would later use a difficult piano arrangement of this in our wedding, which was 10 years ago. Um, and the this is my favorite song off of OK Computer. Well, first I should say Radiohead is my favorite band and they've been my favorite band since I was like 10 years old. Would you say that you're a Radiohead you need to shut that shit down. <laughs> okay. Um, but so, okay, like I I had liked Radiohead before OK Computer came out, obviously. But OK Computer is the album that taught me not how to listen to an album from beginning to end, but it made me appreciate an album from beginning to end more. And it taught me how to actually like listen to music, like how to put your headphones on and be like, wow, there are a lot of things happening here. Like, how many guitars are playing at this point? Or what is the sound that they are making? How is, like... There's just so many dense layers that it made such an... Like, it just made such an impact sonically, not even, like, thinking of how good the songs are. But it sounds like it turned on your analytical side, too. Yeah, yeah. You wanted to break down what was happening, what you were hearing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And so Letdown, Letdown is super complicated because of the intro uh, with, like, the the guitar is just, like, very difficult, I think. And, I mean, the lyrics are really bleak. um, So it's a good thing, like, we used an instrumental piano arrangement for it. (laughs) uh, For it at our wedding. I did bookmark the lyrics here
Have you, do you know the lyrics to the song? Mm, sort of, because Tom York is it's similar to di- Berninger. Very difficult his, to understand, yeah. 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 So, um, I know that he's crushed like a bug in the ground. Yeah, so this is, the in, in the first verse, it's the emptiest of feelings, sentimental drivel, clinging onto bottles. When it comes, it's so, so disappointing. Um, yeah, it's just like super 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 dark and sad yeah but i love it it's such a pretty song and it's got that part uh after the like little bridge section where the they sparklies they do the sparklies mm-hmm. and then it's like york is like singing over the top of himself and he's like singing these like wordless like howls in the background and then like doing the final verse over the top of that and it's just like a tr- it's the most transcendental moment on the album i think Obviously, on a podcast about myself, I needed to talk about Radiohead, and this was the one to to go to, the go-to one. I definitely agree, and I mean, I don't even know the lyrics, and I find it moving, but it, it I think that it's sonically moving, and, and I do... I think that recently it's come up in a conversation, probably with you or Paige, but that there are certain, like, sonic wavelengths that just get to your heart, and just, like... Also, that's um, do you, the thing that makes your hair stand on end. Yeah, too? that's yeah. called frizzin. Oh, tell me more. Oh, it's just like the concept of that, like right. a certain. But I think that they unlock frizzin in. This oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. That's all. That's okay. all. All right. Moving yeah, because you want to keep song. this. You want to yep. keep this moving. Yep. Yeah. 
All right, so the next the next three are all from when I was a teenager, like 15, 16. Um, so the Deftones are a hard rock band that I got into when I was a teenager, as one is uh, apt to do when you're a teenager. You get into hard, hard rock bands. A teenage boy, I guess. Uh, and the Deftones kind of got lumped in with like new new metal and rap metal because they came up at the same time as like Limp Biscuit and Corn and bands of that. Yeah, look at you rolling your eyes. I hope the microphone is picking up how hard you're rolling your eyes. Um but the Deftones are more intelligent than that. Um simply because they have such a diverse like like influences, like set of influences, I guess is what I'm trying to say like they will name drop My Bloody Valentine and The Smiths and The Cure and like all this really mopey stuff. I like those things. And they make like really aggressive sounding hard rock, but it's like usually like pretty thought provoking. And so I, it's easy to call them alternative metal. That's what they commonly refer to themselves as. Okay. So I, uh, this song I picked is called Be Quiet and Drive and then in parentheses, Far Away. And it is from their second full-length album called Around the Fur, which I got when I was a sophomore in high school. And I remember seeing this video on MTV. And it's uh, it's not like a, an amazing video, but it just like grabbed my attention. The song itself, the lyrics are very mysterious, which is kind of the trademark of Chino Marino, who is the singer and songwriter in the Deftones. All the lyrics are very ambiguous and sometimes uh, not they don't make you uncomfortable, but they are like... There's something weird going on and you're not quite sure where the song is going. So this song, lyrically, at times it reminds me of the movie Vertigo. Um, but I don't know if it's about the song or about the movie Vertigo. But that's the first thing that I went to the first time I heard it. And so I bought the CD and I remember uh, listening to it when I would walk to the bus stop uh, in the morning. And then like once I got a license listening to this album, when I would drive around. And... I mean, the Deftones, you kind of grow out of stuff like this, like hard rock, but like there are two albums of theirs that I still like will go back to and listen. And this is one of them. This song itself is like the guitars are like hard, but really like kind of comforting in a way. And like he does this thing like he is he has such a 
dynamic singing voice like he sings so beautifully and then he can scream like bloody murder like and he can just jump back and forth between the two it's a it's a fascinating thing and he does the same vocal warm-ups that pg harvey uses i guess like he said that in an interview once um so yeah it's just like this really kind of dreamlike state that they put you in and then he just starts howling at the end and it's like this really desperate sounding like scream until the song ends and it fades out and it's like six minutes it's like a six minute song but so the lyrics are like uh super like the um the movie vertigo which is an alfred hitchcock movie starring jimmy stewart and kim novak does do they reference carlotta valdez no they don't but what makes you think so i'm gonna read the lyrics to you okay and not in an extremely coffee and flowers voice This town don't feel mine. I'm fast to get away far. I dressed you in her clothes. Now drive me far away. It feels good to know you're all mine. Now drive me far away. I don't care where, just far. Those are the only lyrics to the song. And just spaced out throughout the six minutes. But the I dressed you in her clothes thing. And the um, drive me far away. Because Kim Novak drives them through the forest of super tall trees in Vertigo at one point. I don't know. I, I had seen Vertigo for like the first time right around the time I heard the song. So right. I don't know if I went right to that. But uh, yeah, it just stuck with me. I wonder if um, Chino Marino uh-huh. would be like flattered or interested in the fact that that's where you went with those lyrics. Maybe maybe I should at him on Twitter maybe. and see. I, I do think that it's amazing how when art is left vague like yeah. that, it can go so many places and that's the best kind in my opinion yeah so moving on yes uh i often tell people that the only music i listen to is rap music from the early 90s and ambient droning which is an exaggeration um and i had a hard time trying to figure out a rap song to include on this right I'm surprised I don't see Wu Tang. I really thought or, about doing something off of Liquid Swords, and I um, Master P. Oh, uh, then we'd be telling people how to make crack, and I don't know if I want that on the podcast. Well, it's useful information. <laughs> <laughs> He's a very like he broke it down for yeah, you. It's step easy by step. To yeah, easy to follow. Yeah. So I picked um, a song by The Roots. Philadelphia's finest at one time Philadelphia's finest not so much anymore oh I have misgivings I have misgivings about the roots now because they have been uh, Jimmy Fallonized domesticated by Jimmy Fallon so the roots at one time were 
um, I guess what you call conscious hip hop. Um, they were a band. They are a band, but their lyrics are more stream of conscious or like thoughtful than what you commonly associate with rap music. So I picked a song off of my favorite Roots album, which is one of my favorite albums of all time. Things Fall Apart, released in February of 1999. I bought it the week it came out. I was 15. Uh, is it influenced by the Chinua Achebe book? That's where the title comes from. Yeah. Yes, yeah. But the, it, the album itself does not have any references. There isn't to like the, a song called Okonkwo in it. No. Okay. No. All right. Uh, the only time they actually reference the title is in this song, and he says, "We knew from the start that things fall apart." But the album itself, the album itself is very bleak as a whole, and all the ver- cover variants because the first pressing. There were six different covers. They're all of absolutely horrific images. So it, it I mean, it's like a, it's a very bleak album. What sort of things? Um, the, the standard depicting? cover is a black woman running away from police during mm. like uh, the Civil 1960s. Yeah. Riot. Uh, the CD version that I have is a like burned out church with like firefighters walking through it there's one of like a starving kid there's one of like a dead body holding a playing card like it's a really grisly thing but they're like gorgeous images they're all black and white Mm -hmm. but it's like i think they said they were looking for images that captured the failure of humanity and that was uh that's all the cover variants they're all very difficult to find now, like the original pressings. Hmm. You Got Me was the first single off of Things Fall Apart. It features Erica Badu on the hook. She had replaced Jill Scott. Do you know who Jill Scott is? She's I don't a think so. she's like an R and B soul singer. She's from Philadelphia. She okay. wrote the hook and originally sung it. And the record label at the time said, You need to get a bigger name on this. You need to get Erica Badu on this. And so they got Erica Badu to sing the hook. And then it also features uh, a rap verse from Eve who uh, would later go on to achieve fame as part of DMX's Rough Riders crew. And I think she also has a song with Gwen Stefani that people might know. Is it Let Me Blow Your Mind? I think that's her. Anyway, this is like, hip-hop doesn't have too many love songs. Uh, Like, the only other one I can think of offhand is that one by Method Man and Mary J. Blige, um, You're All I Need to Get By. Oh, yeah. Um, This isn't even really a love song because it's really fucking sad. So is it like a duet? This? Yeah. Um... You're comparing it to one that I would consider almost as a duet. That the Mary J. Blige one is almost a duet. Yeah. This is not. This is in the sense that it's like Black Thought, the the lead MC of the Roots, does a verse, and then Erica Badu keeps coming in with the refrain, and then Eve takes a second verse, and then Black Thought comes in for the third gotcha. verse. Um, so it's it's a sad song because it's about a relationship that begins and. F- uh, falls prey to like jealousy and suspicion and then it falls apart hence the we knew from the start that things fall apart gotcha um it's very slow very gorgeous it has like acoustic guitar that's plucked it has a string section added to it Was 
small We used to live in the same building on the same floor And never met before until I'm overseas on tour And peep this Ethiopian queen from Philly taking classes abroad She's studying film and photo flash focus record Says she working on a flick and cut my click through the score She says she loved my show in Paris at Alice Momar And that I stepped off the stage and took a piece of her heart We knew from the start that things fall apart Intent to shatter, she like, that shit don't matter when I get home Get at her through letter phone, whatever, let's link, let's get together Shit, you think not, think the thought went home and forgot Time passed, we back in Philly, now she up in my spot Telling me the things I'm telling her is making her hot Started building with her constantly round the clock Now she in my world like hip-hop and keep telling you, telling you, yeah Bedu's refrain is hypnotic it's a it's just like her, she does this like wavering thing with her voice which is like kind of unsettling but also like really captivating to listen to and the ending of the song like they do like the like the, the, the drum and the bass drops out and then it comes back as like a really quick like drum and bass like super fast like mm-hmm. I don't know why the end of the song is like it's just like triple time over what was originally played and then the song fades out from that interesting and the video for this is the other thing that like got me to love this song it's a fascinating video um black thought is walking through the streets of philadelphia to find a woman and everybody he passes is lying down in the street not moving (gasps) they're just bodies everywhere and he's just walking and he finds he finds the woman and he lays down beside her and that syncs up with when the tempo changes in the song and then the screen goes white and then everyone uh is running around and he's the only one left on the ground he's left on the ground and everyone is just running around freaking out behind him
It's like the video for Just by Radiohead. Have you seen that? Uh-uh. It's very similar. Oh. It's super like dark and yeah. like unnerving, but you just can't help but watch. That's awesome. So this whole album is great. Things Fall Apart is great. If you if you're like, oh, the Roots, they're just Jimmy Fallon's house band. They're way more than that. Uh, and this one is like, this is the album that taught me that rap music can be very thoughtful and introspective. Yeah. And as much as I love like fun rap music or like violent. Or one songs about how you make, make crack. crack. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. as much as I love all that, this is like really thoughtful. Um, introspective hip hop is, is I guess more what I would prefer to listen to. Nice. So I'll have to check that out. Yeah. So uh the last one from my teenage years is and I had to throw this in here for a number of reasons. Uh I picked The Day Brings by the band called Brad. Be Rad. <laughs> there is nobody in this band named Brad, which is very confusing when you try to explain this to people. Is it an acronym? No. It's just Brad. Do you know the story behind this? No. So this is a band from Seattle uh that has Stone Gossard from Pearl Jam in it and they wanted to call themselves Shame and they are, they found out that somebody had already started a band called Shame. Those jerks. And there was somebody in the band called Brad. The band Shame. One of the members was called Brad. <laughs> so it's like a back a gotcha. A, a gotcha. gotcha. Yeah. yeah. That's so they awesome. named their they named their band Brad. Very <laughs> difficult to search for on the internet. I bet. You just end up with pictures of Brad Pitt. Or Brad Paisley. Yeah. Or other famous Brads. Brad Garrett. There's got to be others. <laughs> it's a common name. So, uh, I heard this song, The Day Brings. This is the only time that the band Brad had anything that resembled like a popular song. Uh, and it's from their second album called Interiors. I used to hear this uh, over the Muzak, like the overhead speakers in uh, Osco, my first job as a teenager in the drugstore. And there, I mean, this was before Shazam. This was before you could like write down lyrics and Google them on your phone. I had no idea who the song was by, but I was like, holy shit, this song is really good. And every time I would come on, I'd be like, yeah, this song that I like, gosh, I wish I knew who this so was by. like, there was a time when drugstores played current tunes. I mean, this song is from 97, so it was like two years two after years the fact. Old. Okay. Yeah, this got 
played every once in a while and I would be like, yeah, this is awesome. I wonder who this is. What did you, you stocked things? Yeah, at I was a cashier too, but I, I mostly stocked things. Like drugs? It's a drug store. Yeah, like I stocked the crack and the cocaine <laughs> and the LSD tablets and I rolled the joints for pre-rolled joints and for people. And the CBD oil. <laughs> Here's everything. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, so yeah, you, we had food. It's like a Osco is like a Walgreens. Yeah. So you have food, like a paltry selection of food, and you have a couple of household items, beverages. There's a lot of beverages. A lot of beverages. And then mostly just like over the counter medication. You just stock out. Did you get a discount? Yeah. On Nuprin. They were little yellow and different. So yes. That was probably still a thing. At that it point. definitely was yeah. still a thing. Yeah. I don't think it is now. No. It's not. Yeah. Which is too bad. Wasn't it just aspirin? I don't know what made I don't know what made Nuprin special. I think it was just coated in yellow. <laughs> but I don't think it was really different. We'll have to look that know. up. That's a different podcast. Okay. So the uh cut to like two ish years later, I'm in college and I am looking up information about the singer Sean Smith. Who recently passed away, which is another reason I needed to include this who on here. Recently, in today's world, passed away. Yeah, just yeah. To clarify, yeah, yeah. Sorry, you sorry. We were in a different yeah. time. Yeah. Oof. So Sean Smith died in April of 2019, and uh, but in 2001, I was looking up information about Sean Smith because he he had been a guest artist on an album that I liked, and I was like, Sean Smith, he's got a cool voice. I wonder what else he's done. And I started getting some of his music, downloading some of his music in the early days of file sharing on college campuses. Shout out to Audio Galaxy. Uh, um, I can't, I'm trying to even remember what. Kazaa? Well, LimeWire? had like its own one. Oh, really? Yeah. But like. Clark College didn't have any of that. We just all used Audio Galaxy until that shit got shut down. Yeah. We had some, I can't remember what it was called now, but like that's how I saw a bunch of like early internet videos too, but they were downloaded in, oh, in okay. the file yeah. sharing, I think. Okay. Anyway. In a pre-YouTube world. Yeah. So I downloaded uh, some like live radio sessions from Sean Smith and one of the songs was called The Day Brings. And I, as soon as it started, I was like, holy shit, this is that song. This is that song that I heard two years ago and I have been wondering about.
makes you sing. And so that's that. I mean, that was like 18, 19 years ago. And uh, Brad put out a couple other albums sporadically. Sean Smith never really achieved much success outside of Seattle. Kind of like a cult artist. Mm-hmm. And but this song always stuck with me because it's uh, one of my favorite of his. It is catchy, but it's very melancholic. Tis. And it's got that great solo guitar. It's got a nice guitar solo in it. And uh, it's just like really, I think it's poignant. It's like a, it's just like a good short pop song that's like makes you think. And it's got some kind of evocative lyrics to it. And he's got a hell of a voice. Like even It's really unique. Yeah. it's. I mean, he cites like Prince and... Snoop Dogg as like influences and so like he has like a really so- like a strange soulful voice and it was it always kind of sounded a little out of place with some of the stuff he was doing like with with like the early days of Brad it's like weird funk grunge and then like this kind of portly white guy with like a super soulful high voice coming in over the top of all of it but even when he got older and his health was not great like he still could belt this shit out and like he would always play this at every show because mm. people. This was the one people knew. Well, and I just, I mean, I cry for today's youth because they don't have this sense of wonder of like, oh, I never figured out what song that was. Oh yeah, I guess I never really thought about that. You know what I mean? Like they just don't have those same kind of things where they're like, they could have that magical moment of, oh my god, this is the thing that I was looking for so long ago. Well, no, I I doubt that anybody has, like, an actual sense of wonder about music in that way anymore. But, like, if you do, if if you're in, like, a store and you hear a song and you don't know it, you just stick your phone up to the speaker and it analyzes the waveform and it tells you who it is. And it's not that much of a mystery. Like, this was, like, a legit, like, two-year mystery. So thank you, Shazam, for stealing the wonder from the hearts of many... Yeah. You should be ashamed. <laughs> ashamed. Uh, do you see what I did? Yeah, I did. I okay. did. So we're going to do, uh, now we've moved out of my teen years. Right. And I so skipped. So you're not a sad teen anymore. I'm a sad you're, adult. You're done with having attended prom. I did attend prom. You are now, so this is even after college, right? Yeah, I yep. skipped uh, early 20s. Because I was like, it would have been just like Damien Rice or The Frames. Oh, but you chose not to talk about them? No, I mean, I just like, again, this is like, I could have done the show a million different ways. Right. And I could have made it more autobiographical and been like, if you want to know my fall of 2004 pile, <laughs> uh, and I didn't give this record to somebody for personal reasons. Like, I didn't, I didn't want to get into that. Uh, and I was just trying to think... Everybody, see, here's the thing: is everybody who did this show, who did like in the first eight episodes of this show, was like, "This was really hard. You don't know how hard it is to pick these songs or to think about music in this way." And what is your verdict? Is it indeed hard? Oh, person who made this podcast, it's not hard. It's not hard for me. It might be hard for other people who don't care about music as much as I do, but it might. It was frustrating. It wasn't hard because I had like a go-to like, it didn't take me that long to come up with this list. It was frustrating to kind of like be like, is 10 too many? Or how is it okay for me to skip a decade plus of time and jump ahead to like 
super sad bastard music in my late 20s and skip the other sad bastard music from my early 20s and i went with yeah it is okay um i do find though it would be worth discussing the um the feeling of realizing what you thought was deep and meaningful in your 20s is not yeah yeah or just i don't know or you've aged out of it yeah, that's the thing is when I when I and I've and if you guys want to at home who are listening right now on the internet again thank you for doing that but uh, if you y'all care about my thoughts about Damien Rice there are two pieces on the blog about him uh, the first one is when O turned ten I wrote a retrospective so when was that it was 2013 yeah and then last summer when it was the 15th anniversary and he released it on vinyl. I wrote another retrospective about revisiting it in on and about the reissue. And they both kind of come up with the same thing. It's like this meant something to me at a different time in my life that I've moved away from and so you grow out of this music but it's still connected to you like it's still a part of you. So whether you like it or not. Right. But so I skipped my early 20s and went right to the end of my 20s with these next three which are like just sad white people music which is mostly what i listen to aside from ambient droning and rap it's a it's a diverse bunch here and so the first one i picked is um elliot smith i didn't understand he's sad and white (laughs) yes he is Mm -hmm. uh and this i picked a different version than the one that people might know from the album this is the last the uh, the recorded version of I Didn't Understand is the last track on EXO, which is his first uh, major label album released in 1998. I picked a version that I found online. You can find it too. It's on YouTube. Uh, It's from something called Two... What is... I wrote this down and now I can't. Can you not read your own writing? Sometimes I can't. Wow. Yeah. I wrote it down quickly before we started. Now you know what it's like to be me. I... (laughs) So it's called Two Meter Sessions. Okay. Um, it's a Dutch TV show, which is still on. Yeah. And he recorded a, a, a thing with Two Meter Sessions in 1998, where he played a couple of songs and was interviewed. So it was like Soul Train? Exactly like Soul Train. <laughs> and so one of the songs he did was um, Waltz Number 2, which right. is a big song that everybody knows. Right. And he actually biffs the take. And hits the wrong note and stops playing and says, I don't want to play this song anymore. I've played this song too many times and I'm sick of it. And he's like, he he apologizes. And was it live? No. Okay. No. But they the interviewer was like, oh, that's fine. It's okay. But yeah, he just like he gets through two thirds of the song and he just like fucks it up completely and then he just sets the guitar down and is like, you know, I don't want to do this. And I just find that very telling of like where he was throughout his entire career before he died. Um, but so one of the songs he was able to complete, it's very short, is a version of I Didn't Understand, which on the album is all acapella. So it's like wordless singing of him doing like layered oohs and ahs to carry the melody and then he sings over the top of it. And so the live version of this on uh, Two Meter Takes 
is him at the piano. Mm-hmm. So he's playing this over the piano and it's gorgeous. Um, We've seen his piano. Yeah, we did see his piano. That's not the piano he... Oh, damn. Yeah, no. This was in... We've seen a piano. We, okay. we have seen a piano that he used to record a couple of things. Yes. Um, but so he he does this... Um, he does this this song and it's just like the album version with the um the acapella stuff it's like it's fine but i don't know i think this is more impactful the way it's recorded with the piano and just Mm -hmm. like him and the piano and i could have picked like any elliot smith song because there are so many of them that mean a lot to me and i got into elliot smith very late it was in my late 20s um i was going through some things (laughs) and uh, I had originally just innocently started playing him when I still worked in the radio station because mm-hmm. I was looking to diversify my sets and not play so much rap music. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Elliot Smith, he's a person. He's got some songs. Let me just start working him in. And then I started like listening more and listening more and being like, yeah, this is real sad. And this is really speaking to me right now. pretty heavy into Elliot Smith at like the end of 2010 beginning of 2011 and I picked this song specifically I didn't understand because I'm gonna read some lyrics here brought some visual aids thank you yeah uh I'm not gonna do the extremely coffee and flowers voice yeah I know maybe I'll do that when we actually get to a national song oh good but so this 
this is I think this sums up uh most of his music as well as his life um because he struggled with a lot of mental health issues as well as drug abuse um but he says my feelings never change a bit I always feel like shit I don't know why I guess that I just do and that like I mean that's still like I hear that I'm just like yeah like I get it like I feel like shit all the time I just do and it just really resonates and so like without the oohs and ahs underneath it I think it resonates even more because it's just this upright piano in a Dutch TV studio um but yeah that was why I picked this one how did he die again he didn't drown or eat cornflakes no you're thinking of Jeff Buckley stabbed or something there uh allegedly 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 so let me take a drink of water here so in the fall of 2003 he died it was ruled a suicide but there is strong speculation from a number of people that he was stabbed but by whom the woman he was with at the time oh uh they had had like an argument. Uh-huh. He had, and so here's the thing: Elliot Smith is like a tragic figure because he was in a band called Heat Miser. They broke up. He became a very, mo- like, moderately successful solo artist at a time when like alternative rock was still bankable. Mm-hmm. He hated fame. I mean, he was nominated for an Oscar for Miss Misery from Goodwill Hunting. And so, like, he hated the spotlight. He hated all the attention that had been drawn on him. He started do- doing a lot of drugs. He got really paranoid. He then could barely keep his shit together. Like, he tried performing live in, like, maybe 2002. He couldn't play any of his songs. His, mm-hmm. like, his live show turned into, like, a disaster. So, he w- was he doing a tour? Yeah, or? he was, like, opening for Wilco or something. And he just, like, was fucking up left and right. And just, like, it was not working. Mm-hmm. And so, he... He was... But he was so big and he was an opener. Yeah. But that's all he wanted to probably sign up for. You know, he was just, I think he was so unstable mm. and like volatile that like his own tour was just going to be a disaster. Mm. So he got cleaned up and he had been sober. He had like changed his diet. He had quit smoking. He was making some, mod- not experimental music, but he was like really working with like noise and dissonance and like was going to make like a pretty ambitious album. And he had had an argument with the woman he was living with. I think her name is Jennifer Chiba. Shout out to Jennifer if you're listening to this. Did you um, murder your boyfriend? And they had I a. I feel f- like we should make an NPR kind of podcast. An NPR. NPR. Right? Was that an. No. What are you talking about? Serial? That was just a regular ass podcast. But that was like. Yeah. I don't know that's why not I associated. thought that was NPR. That's not associated with public radio. I just feel like radio. people that listen to national public radio oh, so white, would listen white to people, White people serial. who like public radio like podcasts about like serial killers. Yeah. That's okay. just like Sorry. a type. It's just a type. Anyway, Jennifer. So they had an argument. Right. He went into the bathroom or she went into the bathroom to take a shower. And get her stabbing implement. She came out and she found him stabbed with a note, allegedly a note, a post-it note that said, I'm sorry. Elliot and Elliot is spelled wrong and so it was ruled a suicide though there were no hesitation marks he it and so that's and I mean this was in 2003 so this has been a long time of people never being really pleased with how this unfolded and was just kind of ruled he had killed himself 
There's, I mean, there were no drugs well, found in the system. It was in. Would she have not known how to spell his name if she lived with him, though? I don't know. That I mean, seems... Elliot's not even his real name. Oh, it's really? Paul. Yeah. Funny. Yeah. But so that was how but he. But not funny. Ha ha. So that was how he died. And then his posthumous album um, from a basement on the hill came out a year later. And I mean, I tried to get into Elliot Smith a little bit after he died. It didn't really take. So it took me kind of needing to get to that place, mm. like a sad, like a super sad place where it really like would resonate more or sure. like I, I could like was more open to it. And I mean, his I mean, his stuff is really kind of not polarizing, but it's like there's such a dynamic between his first three albums, which are all very sparse and acoustic. And then when he got that sick DreamWorks Records money and it was all very Beatlesque and rollicking and kaleidoscopic with the arrangements, um, so, yeah, it's just a, a strange kind of like he's, he has a spidery thin singing voice that he would like layer and harmonize with himself. It's just really intricate stuff. Like a lot of it is like really complicated if you think about it. And it just I don't know, like you don't you just don't write him off as like a depressive folk singer. But he was like a depressive guy who had big ideas. Mm-hmm. Tell me about um, how he's in your skin in a way. He is in my skin in a way. Um, so I have a tattoo. The uh, in-studio audience can see it right now. Hey, we love it. <laughs> so I have a tattoo on my forearm. And, it's, uh, and we're actually going to get to one of these other artists in a bit, which is super helpful. So I have a, t- I have a tattoo on my arm, which is a Elliot Smith and Jason Molina tattoo, which are my two favorite deceased sad white person singers. Um, and so I have a bird, which is... Uh, taken from a Jason Molina album cover and then the bird is filled in with the blue and red um, colored lines from the mural of the figure eight album which Elliot Smith is standing in front of So are we going to do the national next? Is that is that what is next on yours? That's what it says right here. Pink rabbits. Online. 1,423. Wow. wow. I had a lot to say. I had to- songs to talk about. It's okay. Okay. Yeah. It takes as long as it takes. It does. <laughs> you only listen to short podcasts, so you don't... Oof. Yeah, like, the, my favorite uh, favorites are a half hour, my, my guy. And I don't care. <laughs> like, that's fine, but, like, I don't know. If, if it's going to be compelling, yeah. and you can make it compelling, for like, it's going to take as long as it takes. It's fine. So, uh, I picked, of, of all the national, so the national, you and I both love the national. Truth. And I had a kind of a hard time picking a national song, because there are so many. I almost went with Conversation 16, because that is like our relationship set to music. Yes. One of many, like, the later songs that are like super self-deprecating, uh, are like, 
even more stark and kind of like reflective but conversation 16 is great because it's like about someone who is a total asshole worrying about turning his partner into an asshole also and uh, that is the thing you worry about. That was a thing I worried but about. I'm yeah, still nice. You are still sort the, of. the char- The more <laughs> you have been called a delight by whom? My former coworker Ellen. Oh. Shout out to Ellen who did not want to do this podcast. Oh, but she made us those great treats. She did. She's a nice lady. Yeah. She also really likes Ravenclaw. You mean White Claw? Yes. The basic white girl drink. Right. Yeah. So, uh, I picked, of the national songs, I decided to go with Pink Rabbits, which is the second to last song off of Trouble Will Find Me, which is their album from 2013. This is the year I turned 30, so that I had kind of sectioned these off 28, 30, and 29 for some reason. Mm -hmm. I did them out of order. But uh, I picked Pink Rabbits because it is a, probably one of the most, like, accurate depictions of, like a depressive episode like or living through depression that i have heard and it's like it's a it's a beautiful song it's got thomas bartlett on piano so it's like super moody um it's kind of like a slow swaying song i assume that's the thomas bartlett who made all of the shows in wisconsin dells right oh my god do you think he knows that he shares a name with the man who created robot world Tommy Bartlett's Robot World. Yeah. I never put that together until I now. I didn't either, actually. Holy shit. But this is, that's um, Doveman, Dove yeah. Right? Tom, yes. Thomas Doveman Bartlett yep. um, is not the same person from Wisconsin Dells. <laughs> but Who so you, created a, like, water skiing show and Robot World. Wow. Yeah. There's still dilapidated billboards for all that shit the, on the highway. Yeah, and yeah. I have to wonder if some of it still exists. I don't know. We should go to the Dells yes, sometime. Yes, we should. And, like just walk around shook and not know what to do that's a that sounds like a think piece waiting to happen so anyway pink rabbits um do you like this song you know i when i saw that you picked it i was like this one really and maybe it's because i haven't ever listened to it closely enough but it, oh man the lyrics are so sad i don't know it's just kind of slow and it's very slow oh my... i don't think it's boring okay. at all okay well enlighten me about the lyrics so that do you, you find yeah very moving was like a rain, it was more like a sea I didn't ask for this pain, it just came over me I love a storm, but I don't love lightning And all the water's coming up so fast, it's frightening And I don't what you think about When you're sitting in your fainting chair Drinking pink rabbits I, let me find them here. This is the first time the National included the lyrics in their albums. Oh. I think on a reissue of Boxer, they tossed the lyrics in, but the original pressing of Boxer does not have the lyrics. I see. Um. All right, so here we go. This is in the second verse. And I, part of me wants to do like a British accent for this, you but I don't want to, do I don't want to cheapen this. Okay. It wasn't like a rain. It was more like a sea. I didn't ask for this pain. It just came over me. I love a storm, but I don't love lightning. All the water's coming up so fast. It's frightening. And then there is this thing at the end. And this is like, this is stuck with me. Like since I heard this, 
uh and i like really this was my thing on you know on facebook do you have like an intro thing on facebook like you know on your facebook profile there's like a little block where you can have text like an introductory statement like on a page but can you have that on a personal profile too it's on your personal profile i've never noticed anyway for the longest time this was my about me like my personal like intro statement on facebook this this line which is i think of all the national lyrics this is these are my favorites which is you didn't see me i was falling apart i was a white girl in a crowd of white girls in a park like i that just i think trouble will find me is one of the last times that berninger is as of like evocative like the imagery uh his use of imagery has shifted mm-hmm. in l- later albums uh, it's never going to be as mysterious as like alligator and boxer. Like those right. are the most like shadowy kind of like ambiguous lyrics. Uh, but this that that line is um, I think it's incredible. It definitely well, and I would say maybe more the things leading up to it, but it definitely echoes some Sylvia Plath to me, like the idea of the bell jar of I didn't ask for this pain, it yeah, just came yeah. over me, like. Yeah. There will be this thing that descends on yeah, me yeah. again so later. This uh yeah, this song is just like this I this is hard. This is a hard song to hear. Like it's upsetting to me. So surprised you wanna dance with me now. I was just getting used to living life without you around. So surprised you wanna dance with me now. You always said I held you way too high off the ground. You know what my issue is with this song? What? The, a pink rabbit drink. Is like strawberry quick and uh, tequila, isn't it? Like it sounds disgusting, but all I can think of is the Nesquik bunny. I get it. I get it. I'm like, strawberry quick was disgusting. I don't think I ever had it, but like, why would anyone? Mm-hmm. I don't I, know. Yeah. I no. just get caught up in that. I yeah, and the 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 thing is, like, am I the one you're thinking about when you're sitting in your phaeton chair drinking pink rabbits? Right. And so, like, it's that's again another kind of like very evocative image, right? Um, but I kind of look past. I can look past that and yeah. see what, like for what this song means to me. And again, like I don't want to like with coffee and flowers. It's like they analyze line by line what they think it's about. I presume that this is about depression. Right. Because Berninger is clearly very anxious, I assume that he also has some depressive qualities as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, that's what this song represents. And yeah. as a terribly depressed person, like this just like speaks volumes to me. I understand. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's a nice segue into our next one. Yeah. So uh, as we were talking about before... Uh, I'm depressed as fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can That's I actually, say fuck? Yeah. Okay. You can swear as much as you want on the podcast. I was trying to think about if I should be careful or not. Why? I don't know. Cause like, it's the podcast. The public. Who cares? The studio audience. There are so many children out there. <laughs> Who let them in here? I, you shouldn't have brought your kids, you guys. <laughs> 
Who was um, checking IDs for the studio audience? You know, I think that at least they got their hands stamped. They can't buy drinks. They can't buy pink rabbits, even though it sounds like a kid's drink. It does. No, yeah. the podcast, the podcast uh, episodes that don't have a lot of profanity don't get the advisory content sticker on the uh, illustrious cover art. I suppose, like right now, we're still at like PG thirteen, no, circa nineteen ninety. Yeah, I guess. You know what I mean. But what I was gonna say, I've sworn actually a lot in this episode oh, because really? I have a, a poor uh, vocabulary. Right. Uh, but I'm smarter. You are. Uh, you read books more. You're the one that's smart. <laughs> that's not true. But in iTunes and in Google Play, um, you can't you can't do episode by episode for advisory content. Oh. So the whole the whole show. Well, just fuck it. it. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That's the spirit. Yeah. So yeah, you okay. don't have to. I like that word. Like this far into it now, and you're like, oh, I can swear. Cool. Fuck shit, bitch, <laughs> bitch. So before we were talking about Jason Molina. A little bit. Right. Jason Molina is a deceased singer-songwriter who died um, of liver failure from alcoholism at the beginning of 2013 he was a notoriously volatile uh singer-songwriter who came up in the late 90s and into the early 2000s under the name songs ohio and the magnolia electric company and so um i was aware of jason molina in college because my friend colin shout out to colin what up uh he who may or may not be listening to this. I never know if like my friends listen to this or not. If it's just strangers. Well, he probably isn't right now because I didn't see him in the studio audience. But he may later. Yeah, I hope it shows up on his uh, listening device later on. But, of preference. Of listening device of preference. Yeah. So he w- his brother was really into Jason Molina, and so he was really into Jason Molina, and he talked about it a lot. But like I never glommed onto it at, at that time because Colin was my music friend in college. I came to Jason Molina uh, in 2012, and I just, I, I don't know what, I wish I could remember what prompted me, but I, I don't. And it was just like, now is the time where I'm going to get really into Jason Molina. And then a couple months after I really got into him, I was like, oh, wow, he's dead. He died. Oh. Yeah. So you got into him. And- right before he died. Oh. Yeah. Like, he wasn't performing anymore. He couldn't perform anymore. Uh Um, I mean, I read his biography that someone put out, like, two years ago. He was, like, barely able to hold a guitar sometimes on stage. He was so, like, so drunk. Mm. Yeah. And so he had been in and out of different rehab facilities for the latter part of the 2000s into like the early 2010s. And so in 2013, his liver gave out because he had fallen off, fallen off the wagon. Mm-hmm. Um, so the song that I picked though is um, there's debate about whether this is the last songs, Ohio album, or if the album called the Magnolia electric company is the last songs, Ohio album. There's like this weird 
because he changed he was just like no fuck it we're changing the name i'm getting new band members this is what we're called now Hmm. um so there's there's question over where where one ends and the other begins so i look at this as the last song zahaya album which is didn't it rain Mm -hmm. um it's very sparse and spectral which is was kind of his thing up until this point and the song that i picked is the last song on the album it's called blue chicago moon um it's heavy do you listen do you like Jason Molina songs of high, uh, Magnolia Electric? Like, what are your feelings about this? Because like it does, like it bums the shit out of you, doesn't it? Yes. Kind of, yeah. Yes. That's like, kind of the I point. I enjoy it, but it's not something that I would listen to if I'm feeling good. Yeah. Oh, you definitely don't want to do that. Yeah. It's gonna that, just make you sad. Yeah. yeah. Chicago Moon is very slow and that's the thing about um, Didn't It Rain is that all the songs kind of roll along at a bit of a like molasses up a hill pace and that's the other thing is I feel like it's almost a set and not an album like in that songs are so similar that they I don't know. It, there do is you know what I, things saying? things on this album specifically do sound very similar. Yeah. They stay in the same kind of like like key range, chord range, it's like almost the, like a, a a song cycle, a symphony, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Like in that you have similar motives that come back. Yeah, later. and that's the thing with the second side of this, especially. There are two songs that have similar titles, right? And uh, they sound very similar, and they're about very similar things. But so, Blue Chicago Moon, I specifically picked this because um, this is in in my sad white person portion of this show. It's just like a like depressive songs that i that i listen to that have spoken to me they don't help like when people talk about oh this really helped me or this song really helped me get me through a tough time i guess i don't have that like when you're sad and you listen to sad music it's not helping it's just like not it's not making things worse but it's just like amplifying your sadness but do you at least feel heard i guess uh I feel seen. Right. Yeah. That That's kind of what I mean. It's like, at least you have something to reflect. Yeah, it mood. is. Yeah, it's re- it's reflective. Right. So I picked this one because of this specific part at the end of the song. But if the blues are your heart, you 
says if the blues are your hunter then you will come face to face with that darkness and desolation and then he says and the endless and he says the word endless eight times and then says depression (laughs) and let me tell you I fucking felt that like you get kind of like lulled into this hypnotic like because it's like the same like guitar strums and like slow drum beat behind it and he's just saying the word endless and it's like the way he lets the syllables hang with his like midwestern twang you just get like it's hypnotizing and you're like is he just going to keep saying this is the record skipping what is going on and he says endless eight times and i feel like that's really important to the song and to him and to me, mm-hmm. as the person listening to it, is that he did, he you he could only he could say it once or twice. Eight times is a lot of times, <laughs> and then to say depression after that is like wow, like that's bleak, and that's a pretty low point. And I get it. And, but then he follows it up with try to beat it, and so there's like this little glimmer of hope at the end of this, but not really, like. I mean, he didn't, he, in a way, he killed himself because he drank himself to death. Mm-hmm. But, like, he wasn't, like, so sad he was suicidal. He just, like, liked drinking too much. And he destroyed everything that was good in his life. Like, his marriage, his bands, his relationship with, like, anybody who was trying to help him. It's, like, a form of suicide, I guess. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't, like, I'm so sad I'm going to stab myself. Or I'm so sad I'm going to jump off of a building. But at the same time, at least the alcohol made him feel differently. I guess, you know. Yeah. So it was like a self-medication yeah. that got out of control. So, but yeah, that just like the way he lets those words hang. He's really good at that, letting words hang. Mm. Um, it just like, I don't know. this. I mean, it's it's a, such a slow song. You almost want to say it's like a boring song. But like that stuff at the end is just like, that's specifically why I picked this one. I could have picked out a handful of different Molina songs that... Uh, I enjoy more but this one was like the most important I think to include in this section of like sad white people songs well and I think that um, something to note about you is (laughs) that um, I've always felt that you are proud or take it in stride that you listen to sad things and I wonder what you say to that. I don't know if I'm proud. Right. 
I guess it's just what I'm drawn to mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. Um, I don't like seek it out. Right. I, I almost feel like it's um, let's make a little jab or like joke about depression because it's all we can do. Yeah. I mean, if you can't cry, right. you might as well laugh. Right. And if you can't laugh at your own crippling mental health issues what can you do right so like you just you kind of have to mm-hmm. and so like this is I, I don't know it's just this is there and it like when i hear it it's just like you just acknowledge it right like this is the thing and someone else was dealing with this or someone else has done something that i can identify with right and that's and, the part where i think some people say it's soothing i guess um i think that Soothing isn't the right word for anyone struggling with depression because there isn't much for that yeah, in that yeah. in terms of soothing, but at least uh, conversations about how you're not the only one yeah, help yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah. So I'm glad that that's a thing that you can go to. <laughs> Um, I was I was gonna say I feel like we I should have picked something like more uplifting to pick this up at the end, but uh-huh. that's not the case. That's okay. That's okay. Well, yeah. it is my podcast, right? It w- well, and I would say that all of the anhedonic headphones to electric boogaloo podcasts try to get at something personal. I tried. It doesn't always work, but that's right. what the point was. Well, yeah. and, it, and that all depends on the person and how willing they are to open up yeah. about things. Yeah. And I think that you are a person who is very open about your life and sure. your experiences. So it seems to me only natural that this would come out. Yeah. Couldn't you have ended with like Susudio or something? Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. No, because we already did Phil Collins. Okay, fine. No, I, so, because I was doing this kind of sequentially by my age. Right. I picked something that is old, but that I discovered only recently. Uh, And because I said before, I tell people I only listen to ambient droning and rap music. Uh, I needed to include some ambient music in this because that's become pretty important to me Mm -hmm. in recent years. So, and ambient music is difficult to like parse out because it's usually like, you're supposed to listen to the whole album from beginning to end. You can't just be like, oh, this is my favorite single off of this ambient <laughs> album. It's like, oh, 15 minutes of like droning or like with the disintegration loops. It's like, here's part of a 60 minute suite of a tape loop decaying. So that's like not what I'm going to do. I really like that part where it kind of goes. Yeah, that's the thing. Thank you. 
so I picked I recently um, so what this is is this is called Still Space and this is by a Japanese composer uh, Satoshi Aki- Ashikawa I think that's how I I don't know he's dead so it doesn't he's probably not going to mind he's probably not going to mind no. um, I recently bought this gorgeous uh, three album set of uh, it's Japanese ambient environmental and new age music from 1980 to 1990. It's put out by um, Light in the Attic, which is a boutique label out of Seattle that only does like esoteric reissues. And I bought this, I had listened to it online and I was like, wow, this is really good. But I had bought this album, like the physical album, which comes in like a huge box and it comes with a poster and all kinds of shit specifically for this song. And this is the first song on the first side. This is the, like, I was like, I need to have a physical copy of this. Um, this, and I, I just bookmark and it's because it's instrumental. So there's not like lyrics for me to read. I just bookmarked the little bio thing about him. He only put out one album called still, still way before he had passed away in 1983 in a car accident. Um, but this was like a one-off song that he did that was released on a compilation, um, which was uh, in a magazine. It came with a magazine. And so this is just like, it's like three, four minutes. And it's just like really contemplative. Like there, it's not a piano, it's like a synthesizer. It's like a like a keyboard that sounds a little like a piano, but it's you know it's a, you can tell that it's not. It just kind of like oscillates between channels. So like it's like a progression of three notes, and one goes on one side, one goes on the other side, and then the third one is in the center. So it's mm. best to listen to it with headphones. Yeah. Um, it's not sad but it makes you feel sad or it makes you feel kind of introspective which is what good ambient music does like there's a lot of people who make instrumental experimental ambient music the best kind and the kind that i am most drawn to is the stuff that makes you feel something and it like pulls an emotion out of you or makes you think uh and this is what this does it's like a very short piece and it is these tones just like roll over you And I could listen to this all day.
like actually a couple times uh on the way to work as the winter was turning to spring it was still cold out still dark out i would i made a playlist that was just this song on the ipod and i would listen to this for the 15 i would listen to 15 minutes of this on my way to work and i also picked this song specifically because i took a instagram story that i don't have anymore i should have saved it of our our foster cat ted who has been snoozing for the last duration of this podcast he's very blinky right now he probably wants to know where his dinner is he is sleepy yet awake um but we started fostering him shortly after i got this and i took a video of this song playing and he was moving his head around every time one of the tones went mm. and it was and somebody watched it without their the sound on and was like why was he just moving his head what was that and i was like you have to listen to it with the sound on because i'm listening to the song and he's reacting to the song mm. and it was really charming because it was like one of the first nights after we took him in and he was just standing right by the speaker and like the thing would play and he would just keep moving like what is like every time just like oh that's oh that's a sound and it's just very charming i thought that he would react that way because he doesn't really react to music yeah and it was just neat to watch him kind of experience this with me as i was sitting here with him and so it's like i would recommend this whole set to people um if you want to get into kind of not all of it is this kind of evocative or like thought-provoking some of it is a little stranger um but I would recommend this as like uh, you could just listen to it online and check it out. It's like a fascinating kind of like whole movement in Japan in the 1980s to make this what is called environmental music. So it's like music specifically designed to play in the background of things. Right. Um, and it's it's a beautiful set. I would also highly recommend Ted. Yeah. Shout out to Ted. Ted the cat, our foster cat, who's been living with us for a number of months. He's a good, weird, handsome boy. I also recommend fostering and adopting animals and sharing music with them yeah i would do that too i would just recommend animals right to people in general to hang out with them and get to know them ted do you have anything you want to contribute to this podcast at all are you sort of interested in my mic in my headphone cord it's wiggling what do you think hi did you pick that up i could kind of hear it yeah Oh no, she's picking me up. Ted, do you have anything you want to say? Good job, Ted. He's like, hot fire. I spit's hot fire. His new mixtape is going to be blown up in the streets. Good job, Ted. Ted, you're the best guy. He's like, I got to get out of this house. I interviewed him. (laughs) Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Ted, you got anything else, my guy? (laughs) What up, my guy? Yeah. He's hungry. I bet. Yeah. He's hungry for podcasts. Yeah. So that's it. That's my musical journey. Ten songs from my life. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for being willing to sit through this. <laughs> sit through it? it yeah. Was- like to be willing to talk to me about this stuff. Because like music is, I mean, you like music, but you don't uh, get into it as much as I do. Correct. And I mean, you have asked in the past for me to explain theoretical genres to you so you could fall asleep. That is also true. And... So I just was like, the, I'm I'm appreciative that you were willing to listen to me talk for this long about these. 
Because not everybody would do that. (laughs) Well, I am able to do that, and I've shared much of this history with you. I suppose, yeah. Yeah, most of it, yeah. Yeah, so it was fun. Okay. Thanks for having the better half of you. (laughs) That is me. Oh, Oh, boy. boy. Oh, Ted. Ted's got some hot takes. Um... But we thanks better. for having me. It was a fun time. And but the one thing that we didn't ever get to is Alf. That's a that's literally another podcast for another time. <laughs> Wendy wants to make a podcast where we talk about how Alf needs to be me tooed because he's like really a Lothario. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's problematic in today's age because he was trying to fuck that girl, right? Yeah, I think so. And she was like a teenager, which is gross. And he was like two hundred or something. There's Alf is problematic on so many levels, and we were going to make a whole podcast about that. But maybe we can do that in uh, season two of this podcast. Is that Electric Boogaloo also? That's the name of the podcast. Oh, okay. The Anatonic Headphones 2 Electric Boogaloo is the full name of this podcast because it is different from the first podcast that I did in 2013. How many episodes did you get? Of the first that? one? Yeah. Uh, we did four or five okay. before we lo- like totally lost steam. And was that you and Adam Adams? Yeah, Ad- yeah, Adam Casper. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. They're still all online. You can listen to them. They're not like you can't subscribe and get them in um, right. like various podcast places Mm -hmm. but they're all i like re-upped the files you can all still listen to them off the website Hmm. yeah do it (laughs) hey fans hey studio audience are you gonna go do that no oh let us go Uh, we've been here for a long time we're hungry yeah we gotta go okay anyway thanks again i appreciate it of course